Okay, we'll be reading Revelation 12, verses 1 through 17, the entire chapter. Please stand when you found your, your place in God's holy word. It is a little warm up here, so I, I heard somebody say uh, tithes and offerings, so I gave my tithes and offerings. <laughs> Isn't that bad? So if I pass out, Darren's going to finish the sermon. Because he didn't find that funny. Amen. We'll be done right away. <laughs> and a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant, was crying out in birth pains, in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in the heavens. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their own lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and dines in half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the, with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand and the sea. Read the word. You may be seated. Sounds like a fun chapter, right? We long for our enemy to be defeated, and that's what we're reading here today. I want us, I want us to see that the Satan is an accuser. He's an attempter. He tries to tempt you to sin, and then he is the first one there to accuse you for falling for that sin. I want to remind you that you have an intercessor that we spoke of. You have Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. If you are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, no accusation against you will stand. You will be vindicated, and your accuser will see justice. Amen? Amen. You know, we, we can look at it. If you, you, I imagine, at some point in your life have been accused of something you haven't done. You know, some are going through that right now, and, and some are, are going to go through it. Some have gone through it. But I want you to know you're in good company. You can open the Holy Word and see that this happens time and time and time again. You see Joseph. He's thrown into prison for attempted rape of a woman he did not touch. We see Daniel thrown into a lion's den. Over and over again you see these people who are accused. 
And they go through hard times for a period. But God vindicates them. And God makes it right. Above all, we see Jesus. On multiple times, he is accused falsely. But how does Jesus handle being accused? Being tempted? We talked about it on Wednesday night. The, the, uh, the, the armor of God. What is your shield? When the attacks come, what is your shield? It's the faith. Your faith in God is your shield. Now the Bible is something else in your armor. It is your sword. It is what you get to counterattack with. When Jesus is in the wilderness... And, and Satan is, is tempting him to, to deny the one true God and follow Satan. Satan quotes scripture, but not all of it. And what does Jesus respond with each and every time? For those of you who, who aren't fond of reading through the book of Deuteronomy, I'll tell you it's the second most quoted book by Jesus. You should know it well. When he, he was tempted and he was accused, he quoted from Deuteronomy. He finished the scripture that Satan was trying to hit him with. Know, know the word. And know, know how to counterattack these attacks. We will all face them, and we all have faced them. But the good news is, you've already won. You're fighting a battle to a war that's already been ended. You understand, Satan has a short period of time. We've looked at Revelation, we looked at the, the seven seals, and now we've, we've looked at the seven trumpets. And very soon we'll, we'll go on to the last seven judgments. But what I want you to know right here now, with with what is happening here in heaven, the kingdom is being declared, salvation is being declared, Satan is being dethroned in heaven. He no longer has the ability to accuse you. He no longer has that right. Along with him, a third of the angels are cast down. These are the, the ones we call demons. They don't have the authority anymore. The Apostle Paul tells you, do you not know that you will be the judges over the angels? We often will look at ourselves and think low of ourselves, but God doesn't think low of you. He thinks high of you. He sent his son to die for you. And when you're covered by the blood, none of these accusations will stand at all. In this verse, we see that there is a sign in heaven. There is a woman who is clothed with the sun, and the moon is under her feet, and she has 12 stars as a crown. Who could this be? There's been many guesses. Now, the, the common one that comes out is Mary, because... This woman is giving birth to a child who will be the ruler forever and he rules with a rod of iron. Well, who could a ruler with a rod of iron that rules forever be? It's Jesus. So, so we aptly know who this child is. So who's this child's mother? Many want to say Mary, but if we, we le read the text carefully, we also see that this, this demon, this Satan, is coming down to persecute her in the end days. Mary is not on the earth right now. So it cannot be Mary. It is, in fact, the nation of Israel. And you can look at the symbolism. I would, I would take you back to Joseph and his time, his arrogant days, and he has this dream. Has anybody had a dream before? Be careful just spouting out your dream until you know what it means. Joseph goes off and says, Hey, brothers and dad, guess what? I had this dream. The sun was bowing down to me, and the moon also, and the twelve, the eleven stars. Jacob knew what this dream meant. He had a similar dream with the latter. He says, are you telling me and your mother that we will bow before you and your 11 brothers also? Understand, what is on her crown? 12 stars. She is a representative of Israel. Amen. And so when she gave birth to Christ, when Christ came down on this earth and gave birth, 
immediately Satan came down and tried to kill him. We can read the story with King Herod. He puts an execution order for all young boys in Bethlehem to be executed. But as always, God's one step ahead. I would remind you that no matter how dark or bleak your circumstances look, that even when it seems that it's inevitable Satan will win, Satan always loses. Amen. He always loses. Yes, the, there was many unborn children that were slain, but Christ was in Egypt by that time. He thought he had won. And this is part of the reason why when, when we read Scripture and we read Jesus and the apostles casting out demons all the time, why were there so many demons in Jesus' day? They were trying to stop him. They were trying to kill him. That's why we, we when you're here in America, we don't think about it. We don't, we don't hear people being demon-possessed all the time. Because we are not Jesus. He's afraid of Jesus. He's afraid of the name of Jesus. He trembles and, and fears when we pray in the name of Jesus. So you have no greater weapon than prayer. The Word says, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. A day is coming when Satan will no longer be able to go back up there. You know, I, was, I was sharing with Brother Larry when he walked in this morning. You know, there's a few things in life you don't want to see. If you're behind on your mortgage payment, you don't want to see a sheriff walking to your door. That means it's no longer your home. If you're Satan, there's one you don't want to see. You don't want to see the Archangel Michael coming at you with an intent of war. Amen. Michael has been created for one purpose. His name means one who is like God, a mighty warrior. And he has two-thirds of the angels behind him going after Satan. And he casts Satan out forever. You know, it says they fought back. We, we don't quite know what an angelic war looks like. But I'd imagine in this circumstance, it would be like the United States versus Puerto Rico. It wouldn't last long. It would be over really quickly. The reality is Michael is a mighty angel. And in, in chapter 10, when we see him come down and put his, put his leg on the sea and put his other leg on the land declaring that this belongs to God, then what happens? He has now gone up to heaven and saying, Satan, get out. Your time has come. Judgment is coming upon you. And what is the third woe that we read about in Revelation? It is the wrath of Satan. Because he can no longer go up and accuse you. He's at, at this point in this place where he is really lost. And so what does he do immediately when he gets down there? He tries to go after Israel. He breaks the covenant that the Antichrist has made with Israel. And we'll go over the details of all these things in a few weeks. And so because he no longer has the ability to enter heaven, he no longer can do what, what Isaiah um, said he did, is where he tried to ascend to the throne of God and declare himself God. And Isaiah said, I saw him falling like lightning. Understand, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah was a prophet and talking about something that he saw in the future. So Satan, when this moment happens, no longer can try to ascend to the Father's throne and try to usurp the throne of God. So what does he do? He tries to go to the earthly temple and declare himself God and deceive the Jewish people in the entire world. This won't sit well with God. Jesus warned, Watch out for the abomination that causes desolation. God is graceful, amen? amen? We are all sinners and done horrible things, and God has forgiven us, amen? amen? This won't be forgiven. When Satan enters in that temple, it's done. The period of grace is over. That dispensation is done. And so we'll, 
what do we have? God is making war against Satan and his Antichrist and all those who reject him. This, this abomination is, is so, so bad that you have the Antichrist trying to proclaim himself to be a Messiah-type figure. And the world will follow after him for a period of time. But I want us to understand that we are, we are not to stress about this. We are not to worry. For if you're covered by the blood, you will not even see the beginning of the tribulation. But if maybe you're here now and you haven't yet trusted Christ, and you may live to see those days, understand that put your trust in Christ, that he will see you through. We see this, this woman, Israel, it is said that she will flee into the wilderness for 1,260 days. How long is that? And I guess it's three and a half years. Three and a half years to the very day on the Jewish calendar. I want you to see what happened. We had these two witnesses we spoke of, and they declared the glory and the testimony and the gospel of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem until they are killed for 1,260 days. So what does Satan do? He turns his attention on Israel, and she flees. And I, I would remind you of Matthew 24. I'm going to read it for you, what Jesus said to us. When therefore you see the abomination that causes desolation, that is, the Antichrist growing into the temple and declaring himself God, which has spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let him that reads understand. Let them that are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop not go down to take out the things that are in his house. And let him that is in the field not return back to take his cloak. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on a Sabbath, for they shall be great tribulations, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, nor ever will be. Satan's wrath is coming hard. He will kill all that he can. Now, this is not something that we look forward to, but we know it's going to pass. I want to unravel the mystery of Matthew 24 a little bit here for you. Why does Jesus say, pray that it does not happen on the Sabbath? What would happen if, if Israel were, were to be attacked on the Sabbath today? In the 1970s, in the Yom Kippur War, it happened. Why was that a problem for them? Everything was shut down. You do not drive a bus on the Sabbath. There is no railroad transportation. There is nothing. Unless you have your own transportation, and by driving away, you'd be breaking the law. So understand what he is saying. Pray that it does not happen on the Sabbath, because you'll be sitting ducks. And he says, pray that you're not breastfeeding. Pray that you're not with child, because that will make it hard to travel. The, the way to the mountains from Jerusalem is to the east, and you would have to go in ravines. Now, in Israel, it does not snow like it does in Chicago. You don't have to worry about the snow in the winter. What you have to worry about is flash flooding. And what does Revelation 12 say? And the, the serpent, that old devil Satan, will open his mouth and pour out a flood, very similar to the Old Testament times of, of the Exodus. And so what happens? When you're in these ravines, it goes from no rain to literally feet in minutes. So if you are walking with hundreds and even thousands of people, lives will be lost. It is one of the deadliest killers every year in Israel and Jordan, these ravines that they have. Understand what Jesus is saying is not some great mystery. It's rather plain and simple. He says a day is coming when, when Satan will attack you. This is the sign you are to watch for. That's so why I say we should not rejoice when we, we hear people rebuilding the temple because we know what's going to happen. Lives are going to be lost. The devil is going to try to set himself up to be God. 
You shall have no other gods before me. And the sad thing is that there will be many who will follow after him and worship him as God. It's horrible to think about. There is only one God. And, you, and Jesus warns us here. He says, do not believe it if they say, I have appeared in the wilderness. Do not believe it if they say he's in Jerusalem. How will you know the Messiah has returned? How will you know? Do you not know? How will you know? Say it. You will see him. The entire world will see him from east to west. You will look up to the skies and you will see Christ returning in the clouds. There will be no doubt when the Messiah returns, when Christ returns. You will see him ascending on Mount Olives and as he steps his foot down with that mighty white horse, an earthquake will split that mountain in half and there will be blood up to the horse's girdle. Understand that when Christ returns, you will know it. And the majority of the people, when they see Christ return, will tremble in fear. But there will be a few. There will always be a remnant that's faithful to God. Say, blessed he comes in the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So we see as earth as the earth breaks out in war, we see heaven breaks out in war as well. And when Christ returns, the victory will be just as swift. We don't read about this warfare that happens in heaven taking millennia, taking years upon years. We read, Michael comes down to the earth and he makes a declaration that there will be no more weight. In Revelation 12, what do we have? We have Satan cowling down on earth because he's no longer the principalities of the earth. All he has left is earth. And he has a very short time, amen? So I want you to understand that Satan is always at war with you, saints. He doesn't stop being at war with you. Right? I've, I've met some that, that tell me they're Christians and they say, you know, life's good. I, I don't face anything like that that you talk about. And I go, you're really a Christian. Are you sure about that? Let's, let's talk about what the gospel says. Christ said if they persecuted me, the Lord and Master, how much more will they do to you? So if you're not facing anything at all, we need to have a serious talk. Because that means Satan doesn't think he has to attack you. Jesus said very clearly, I want everyone to listen up, kids, everyone. Jesus says you'll have one of two masters. He says that it is either my Father, the one who you call God, or if it is not, if you are on the side of the accuser, that he is your father, the devil. There's no in-between. You don't get to say, well, I believe in God. You don't get to be like Bernie Sanders and, and accuse somebody and say, well, you know, you say Jesus is the only way to the Father. Are you saying Muslims and Jews are condemned? What's the Gospel of John say? This is the judgment that Christ came into the world and the world hated him. And the world is condemned already because they have not believed in the only Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not condemned for being Muslims or being, being part of Judaism. They're condemned for rejecting Jesus Christ, Amen. the only Son of God. Understand? That is the choice that you face with your life. Will you follow after Christ? It means you're going to be persecuted. It means that people will accuse you. There should be unity in the church. There should never be accusations in the church. We need to understand what, what God is calling us to us. He says we need to be in unity. 
Because the world will attack us. Satan will attack us. But too often we attack ourselves and destroy ourselves. I know of too many churches that close their doors, not, not because of the great attacks of Satan, but because of the pride of its own members, not willing to bow the knee to Christ. We must bow to the knee to Christ. We must confess when we sin. And when others confess they sin, we must accept, accept them and forgive them. Remember that Satan is accuser of all our brethren. The sins of the saints give Satan all the evidence he needs before God's throne. But the blood of Christ is all the Father needs. You know, we, we often beat ourselves up and say, can God really forgive me? We're joking about it in, in the Sunday school class. People are like, well, you know, I don't know if I can really be forgiven. I've done some really bad things, some really sinful things. And I halfway jokingly said, so let me get this. Christ has taken upon the sin of the entire world, past, present, and future of everyone, and he's put it on himself, and the Father accepted his sacrifice on the cross and raised him to life on the third day. But your sin somehow is worse than all the sins of the rest of humanity. Now Christ has declared point blank that if I forgive your sins, they are forgiven. And that when I stand before the Father, Scripture says that I will remember them no more. They are as far Amen. as the east is from the west. Amen. Can anybody show me where the east starts on the map? Hey, I have this joke. I said, maps are hard for me to figure out. I'm a little bit geographically challenged. My wife will testify to that. But over in Israel, it's called the Middle East, and here it's called the Midwest, and I don't know where they meet up. You know, time and time again, you know, we, we see God declaring, you have been forgiven. You need to forgive yourselves and believe it. God has forgiven you. Stop beating yourselves up. He's got a mighty work for you to do for Him. But too often we, we say, why we can't do it? I'm not good enough. You know what? You're absolutely right. You're not good enough. Amen. Christ is. Amen. And it's His righteousness that has been put inside you. It's His righteousness the Father sees. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ that we will do the things that God has given us to do. There's no reason in the world I should be standing up here. It's not my power. You know, those that know me for a long period of time will kind of laugh when they find out I'm a preacher. Or those that have known where I've been and seen the change. It's not me, it's God. God is able to do it all. To get ready to close here, I want to make sure that we are never found accusing of the saints. We should come together when our brother or sister wrong us and, and speak of the things that are wrong and come together in unity. Because if we don't and accusations are made, church discipline must happen. And that is, that is not fun for me or anyone here. And in our culture, we don't discipline, we just run away. That, that's the reality we live in. I remind you, the word says that love covers a multitude of sins. We need to be in unity. We need not be accusers and making up things of others. Because what will happen, what we're siding with the enemy. The enemy is accuser. We should go to our brothers and sisters in love and say, I don't even know if you realize you did this, but this happened. And it hurt me or it hurt others. And come together and so that we could rectify those and be in unity once again. Number four, I don't think it is a problem here, but I want to state it. What we see in the Revelation is a rise of anti-Semitism. A rise of, of hating people because they are Jewish. Remember that God is calling them back to him. They are the apple of his eye. And if you hate them, you hate him. 
I remind you, Jesus was a Jew. And that there are, there are many in this country and all around the world that we call Messianic Jews, for they are Jewish believers in the Messiah. And when Christ returns, the entire nation of Israel will be Messianic Jews. And they will praise Him. As Zechariah says, they will look up to the heavens and they will see the one whom they have pierced and mourn for Him as one mourns for their only Son. All of us should mourn for the death of Jesus Christ. It should bring us to, to our knees in agony that our sins caused that to happen. But it should also make us rise up and worship God that, that He was willing to send His only Son to die for us. So wherever you find yourself in life, if you find yourself being the accused or the accuser or somewhere in between, give it over to God. God is your vindicator. He will justify you. It's not in your own deeds that you'll be justified. For Isaiah said, all your good deeds are as filthy rags to God. What does God want? Scripture says he does not want the sacrifices of bulls and goats. That does not please him. What does he want? He wants your heart. He wants you to place your faith in him and genuinely love him as he loves you. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for the many blessings you give us, O God. I give you thanks that we're able to come together and worship your holy name. I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, Lord, that they would come down and worship you at this altar, Lord. Bend the knee and accept you as the Lord. We know there's not magic in the words, but it's the repentance of the heart that we seek, Lord. May your spirit lead us in all things. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.